This message you're about to listen to is brought to you by Victory Inheritance Ministries, the City of Hope. As you listen, may the Holy Spirit minister to you in the simplicity of the Word of God. It is such a privilege. Father, we thank you. We exalt your holy name. We glorify you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We worship you in the beauty of your holiness, Lord. We exalt you, King of glory. The one who was and is and is to come. The one whose words cannot be controverted. We say, may your name be glorified, O King of glory. In Jesus' mighty name. Holy Spirit of God, take over. Saturate this atmosphere. Speak to your people. As I diminish you, Lord, take the stage. Speak your words, O Lord, to your people. In a manner that we can understand and run with. That our lives, O King of glory, may reflect the glory of your word. In the name of Jesus. Shed your light in our hearts, O King of glory. And cause your word to transform us. Into that state, O Lord, you expect. For your glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Can we have our seats? I'd like us to fill these front seats. Please. Indeed, it's a privilege to stand before us to share God's words. And I glorify God for that. And I must also take this opportunity to say thank you to Papa, to Mama, and the pastorate in this commission. For this privilege, I do not take it for granted. Tonight, we'll be looking at a few things about God's word. And for the purpose of clarity, I would like to tag this. Your sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. Your sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. We all know what praise is. We all know what thanksgiving is. And when we talk about praise and thanksgiving to God, is that expression of gratitude. That expression of our excitement, our honor, our reverence to God. It is expected of us. Right? But why, at what point does it become a sacrifice? We can talk about offering of praise, offering of thanksgiving. We can also talk about sacrifice of praise and sacrifice of thanksgiving. At what point does he leave the realm of offering to the realm of sacrifice? Before we establish that, can, let's quickly look at a simple layman's definition of what sacrifice is. 
I have here that it is the act of slaughtering an animal or a person. It's an act of slaughtering a living thing. Why? As an offering to a deity. That is what sacrifice is from primordial time and even in present times. You are giving up something of value because when we talk about slaughtering a, a living thing, none of us can create life. So you are giving up something of value in reverence to someone. Another definition says is the surrendering of a possession. The surrendering of a possession as an offering to someone higher. And yet another definition says it's giving up something valued. It is giving up something valued for the sake of other considerations. So if you look at what is consistent here, sacrifice will involve you giving up something of value. If you are giving something that is not valuable to you, something that is not worth much to you, it can be sacrifice. For it to qualify as sacrifice, it must be of value. It must be such that once it parts from you, you will feel the loss. There must be that registering of a loss of value. And you know, interestingly, that is why Jesus had to mention the widow's might. In Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Let's read from verse 41. If, if we can, please, media, quickly. Mark 12, 41. From 41. And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow and she threw in two mites which make a fathom. Now, for you to understand, you see, the might was the, 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 the least currency you could talk about in those days. In our Nigerian term, we can talk about um, Kobo. Okay? Okay, for the ones who are saying that Kobo is no longer in existence. Okay, uh, the, the least currency. Five naira, ten naira. Which we rarely see, right? So, the common ones we actually are constantly in contact with. 50 naira. This woman dropped that little. But see the way Jesus saw it. He said, And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites which make a farden for the three. And he came unto him, and he called unto him his disciples, 
and said to them, Verily, you know, when Jesus wants to emphasize something of grave importance, that word, verily, comes first. He said, Verily, I say unto you, that this poor widow had cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. If you remember in verse 41, it opened up with what he sat close to the offering box and was watching what each person that came to the offering box threw in. And he mentioned that what? And beheld how people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. Look at that. The rich people cast in much. So it wasn't as if they came in there and threw in something little. They cast in much. So two things here. We had rich people. Not just one. And they cast in much. Not just little. So it is plenty that has gone into this treasury. But everything that had gone into this treasury before this woman stepped up didn't equate to what this woman put in there. And he explained why in verse 44. Can we quickly see verse 44? For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. In other words, that little money that woman put in there was what she ought to survive with. That is sacrifice. And it caught Jesus' attention. There's no way you make a sacrifice that you won't attract attention. Solomon did it. He offered a great sacrifice and God could not sit on the throne. He came down. And drew him a blank check. There is no way you make a sacrifice that you won't attract God's attention. That's how powerful sacrifice can be. But my mind, we are focusing on what? The sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. When does our praise and thanksgiving leave the realm of offering to the realm of sacrifice? That's what we want to examine today. You know, when God has done something you are expecting him to do, it's easy for you to open your mouth in praise because there is a stir in your spirit. Right? You are praying for a particular contract or a particular appointment or something of importance to you. You've asked God and you've waited and it comes true. Usually, you wouldn't be asked to, 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 to dance, to express gratitude, to open your mouth and sing praises. It will come naturally unless you are 
a certified ingrate. Right? Answers to prayer, solutions to problems. That which we have waited for coming through easily evokes praises and thanksgiving. You offer it. It's easy to, to give it. Because there's a reason, a good reason to give it. But what happens when what you're waiting for is refusing to come to pass? What happens when that appointment is consistently being disappointed? What happens when that solution, when that situation refuses to bow to any solution? In this kind of times, do you find it in your, in your heart to praise, to offer thanksgiving? Is it an easy thing to do? But when you offer praise and thanksgiving at, at such, under such circumstance, it becomes a sacrifice. It becomes a sacrifice because there is nothing stirring it. It's just like when you say you beat somebody and you are expecting the person to laugh. That's, that runs against the grain of, of norms, isn't it? When you beat somebody, you expect the person to actually to cry or to express, express pain and grief. But here you are beating somebody, you know that this person is feeling the pain and you are expecting him to laugh. That's the way it is when we find ourselves in situations where things are not just working and there is an expectation from God. For us to offer thanks. For us to offer praise. A difficult thing to do, isn't it? But if you can do that, God sees it as sacrifice. You know, sacrifice is so, so powerful that it does two major things. It will always it will always activate action from the from the one it of it's offered to. It's either preserving the good that has been achieved, or it's opening up ways of progress for what is blocked. God is saying, I have made you in my image, in my likeness. And one thing we know about God is that he doesn't joke with words. So if he had made us in his image and his likeness, there is an expectation that we must not joke with words. You can't say it's an error. I spoke out of error. 
So we need to be careful what we say. We need to be careful what is coming out of our mouths. Because the Bible says, out of the abundance of the hearts, the mouth speaks. That's the way heaven understands it. That is why God says, let no careless word proceed from your mouth. Because the way he sees it, and that's the way heaven sees it, whatever comes of the mouth is the abundance of what you carry in your heart. So there's an expectation. In that moment where everything is not going as you have hoped for, the confession of your mouth, the meditation of your heart must be consistent to who God is. It is only when your mindset has been framed in that manner that the meditation of your heart and the confession of your mouth is consistent with who God is that you can offer praise under any circumstance. It is under that circumstance that when you have been so wired that the meditation of your heart and the confession of your mouth is always in line with who God is in your life that you can offer praise and offer thanksgiving under any circumstance, particularly when it is not comely. Many of us will not sit back and say, I don't think you have experienced what I've experienced. That's why you can open your mouth and you are talking like this. But there is nothing you are experiencing that has not been seen before. That's why the wise man Solomon could say there is nothing new under the sun. Have you been burying almost all your life? Sarah was. Is your case as bad as Sarah's? Has your dream been dashed and dashed over and over and over again? Let me give you news. Joseph's was. Is that terrible? Was it as bad as Joseph's? Is your death as bad as people coming to want to take your children in exchange for the debt you owe? The wife of the prophet's death was that bad. So there is nothing you are going through that has not been talked about, has never been seen. God knows it all. But yet, he's saying, in that situation, can you offer me a sacrifice of praise? That's why he called it a sacrifice. He knows it's a difficult thing to do. Yet he's demanding it. Just like Elijah told the, the, the woman of Zarephath. <laughs> I, I know that's your last meal. I, I understand you're picking sticks to actually make that meal. But even as you go, make mine first. An uncomfortable demand. 
In fact, in our present time, we'll call it illogical. What kind of wickedness is that? But God knows. He's saying there is a way that things work in the heavenlies. Solomon understood that. That was why he didn't just go down and say, God, I need this. God, he just went crazy with sacrifice. And God could not just sit still on the throne. He came down. And he gave him a blank check. Do you desire a blank check? God has already given you the solution, the formula for a blank check. In that moment of disappointments, of failures, of hardship, of want, of lack, where the next day is not even sure. Can you bust out and say, God, like it was said in the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17. Let's read from verse 17 to 20. Habakkuk 3. This is someone who understands this principle. God's ever abiding principle. Say, although the fig tree shall not blossom, Neither shall, the, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the store. Tell me which situation can be worse than this? When you talk about hopelessness, this is just a description of it. Everything in spite of your labor. It's not as if you are not working. It's not as if you are not making imputes. Every impute you throw in fails. 18. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. How can you find joy? I missed what was described in chapter 17. How can you find joy? Is it possible? Naturally, it is not. But God is saying, when you understand this, your circumstances will not determine whether you rejoice in me or not. Your circumstances will not determine your joy and rejoicing in me. It is in your rejoicing and your joy that you can open your mouth and say, Lord, you are wonderful. Lord, you are faithful. Verse 19. The Lord God is my strength and he will make my feet like hinds feet. And he will make me to walk upon my high places. This happens after what? After the rejoicing. In spite of the circumstances of verse 17. So God is saying, 
when you shift your focus from the circumstance and stay your joy in me, I would arise and counter that circumstance. This making my feet like hind's feet and making me walk upon my high places will only come after your rejoicing in spite of circumstances. Can we quickly read First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 to 18? First Thessalonians chapter 5, 16 to 18. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Another version says, in every circumstance. So God knows. And that is why he is clear about it. In every circumstance, he knows that the difficult circumstances will come. He will not for any reason withhold the difficult circumstances from you. He won't be doing you any good. Because his principles are sure. His principles are that if you can find joy in your terrible circumstances, you would evoke my leaving my throne to come down to you. So if he had actually placed it that way, that your sacrifice when it's, when it's not favorable will drive him from my throne to your presence. He won't be doing you any good keeping you away from difficult circumstances. Because the difficult circumstances is what all that is required for you to unlock the joy that would drive him from his throne to your presence. That sacrifice of praise. Stop querying God for what went wrong in your life or what hasn't worked. Offer praise and thanksgiving instead. Offer praise and thanksgiving instead. Because just like we read in the book of Habakkuk, everything can go wrong. Instead of querying God, can you find joy and rejoicing in him? Because that's the sacrifice you require to stir him. I'll end this with a story. How many of us know about Horatio, Horatio Saffold? How many of us know the song, It Is Well With My Soul? The hymn. Horatio Saffold was, is an, was an American lawyer, a businessman, was into properties, what we call real estate today. 
and had a lot of investment in the city of Chicago. Back then in the 18th, I mean, in uh, 17th century, on one particular day in October, precisely 1871, October of 1871, there was wildfire that engulfed the whole city. It burned down almost all the buildings in the city of Chicago. So Safford in one day lost all his investment in real estate, most of it. Around the same time, he lost his only son to scarlet fever. So this family was in dire straits. Now, mind you, Safford was a Christian, an elder in the church. He's committed to the church. So we're not talking about an unbeliever. We're talking about someone who believed in God, who had faith in God. And all of this happened. So he looked at it and said, okay, it's been a terrible time. Let's go on a vacation. So they planned a vacation to go on a vacation to England. But because of some pressing business issues, he sent his wife and four daughters ahead. On their way, there was storm. Two ships collided. The ship they were in. Over 200 people died, including four of, her daughters, of his daughters. His wife was the only one that survived. When they got to England, she sent, sent him a telegram to say, the first two words in that telegram was, saved alone. Horatio had to actually enter the next available ship to meet her in England, at least to be with her as she grieved, as they grieved. So while they were on the sea, the captain, while they were passing at that same spot where the accident happened, he called Horatio to say, I understand what this means to you. I understand it's a difficult thing for you. But I just needed you to know that this was exactly where that tragedy took place. It was at that moment, looking into that ocean, with all of the pain of the loss, that Horatio was able to find in his spirit God's words of consolation to say, it is well with my soul. What is that problem? What is that challenge? That is too big. That is too great. That would want to make you query God. Please don't fall for the, for, for the antics of the devil that Adam and Eve felt because the devil only brought them to the point where they queried God. And in querying God, they fell from grace. The devil would always want you to query God. But instead of querying God, can you find reasons to open? Even if the logical words cannot, can you just burst out in the spirit and speak in tongues? So the spirit of God will bear witness and connect your spirit to bring in the peace you desire. God is saying, I will not change. I have never changed. And it is not in your season that I will begin to change. But my principles hold sure. Make me an offering. Make me a sacrifice of praise. Make me a sacrifice of thanksgiving in your moment of pain. And watch me come through for you. As we go with this.
putting down our quailing of God and offering the sacrifices of praise and thanksgiving. May God show up for us in his might like he did for Solomon in Jesus' mighty name. We hope you've been blessed by this message. To experience more, visit us on Wednesdays by 6.30pm and Sundays 8.30am at Victory Inheritance Ministries, Plot 25, Block A, Kusela Road, Ikate, Elegushi Waterfront, Fort Roundabout, along Konoyo Gas Station, Lekki, Lagos, Nigeria. Or follow us on Facebook at Victory Inheritance Ministries, or you can email us at vimministries at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. God bless you.